0: You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, I, I want to say that it just means less in the ACC, but I think this week we may we may not be living up to our name as much between toxic, tw- toxic Twitter beef and just an unbelievable weird week where... Nothing went according to plan. I was awful with my predictions. I'll probably never tweet again. Any predictions ever? Because, oh my goodness, I did awful. How are you doing, Dan?
1: Man, um, I mean, I'm personally doing well. A lot of folks in ACC world are not. I mean, this this week in the ACC, like I have never seen like I there's negativity pretty much from every single fan base, win or lose. It was crazy, like. I saw Clemson fans being toxic for the first time. And, I, I, I mean, I don't mean to put it that way. Like, I, I personally enjoy it, but it, it's just crazy to see that.
0: Yeah, it, what, a, what a weird, weird weekend. So, I guess we should just dive right into this. Friday night, ESPN, Louisville heads to Atlanta and take on the 404 and Georgia Tech. Uh, let's just say Jeff Collins earned his waffle house for the next couple of days the Jello jackets win 46 to 27 and what might have been a, I mean obviously it was raining so we'll factor that in a little bit but man what a sloppy game all around I mean three turnovers lost by Louisville none by Georgia Tech which I thought was very very impressive but I mean just an absolute. Dominating performance, especially in that second half, because I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but Louisville was leading at the half 21-14 to 14 in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, if you look at the final score, like, Georgia Tech, wow, they dominated. It really wasn't that case. I mean, the difference in this game was Georgia Tech really didn't turn the ball over. Uh, Louisville on offense – they were not terrible, but they weren't that Louisville offense that we like really wanted to see. And man, I would feel much better about Georgia Tech had they beaten Syracuse. Now it's kind of just chaos in the bottom of the ACC. But I think Georgia Tech is really showing these positive signs. Um, I mean, Jeff Sims—he's not always smooth in the air, but he, um, when he takes care of the ball, he does enough to win games. I mean, he made the simple throws. He's great with his legs. So, I mean, Louisville—quite the disappointment, but a pretty solid win on the slate for Georgia Tech. They've got two this year in the conference.
0: I think the strangest thing about this game, obviously, the turnovers was the big difference. But what, like, obviously, what what shows how big those turnovers were was obviously you look at the score. It's a 19-point win for the Yellow Jackets. You go, okay, Georgia Tech must have, you know, had a better offensive day. Been great in special teams. You know, pretty much all around played better. Time of possession in favor of Louisville, Louisville by 13 minutes. Third down efficiency, Louisville was better. Fourth down, Louisville converted more. Total yards, Louisville had more. 21 total yards, so again, not but not a huge difference, but still more total yards of offense than Georgia Tech. Passing game, Georgia Tech did out, out throw the ball against them, but again, only by 20-some yards. Uh, Louisville outrushed them. Red zone efficiency. Both teams were perfect. So it wasn't like Louisville came up empty when they entered the red zone. They scored a touchdown every time they got into the red zone. For a 19-point game, Dan, it just blows my mind that, you know, Louisville, really, if you looked at the box – if you gave me this box score and asked me who won, I'd say it would have been a close game. But, you know, the team with the more possessions and the better conversion rates would have won that game. You know, I just don't – I don't get it. I really don't know what to expect because – Louisville's next game next week or this coming weekend, I guess you could say, they head to Notre Dame. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to Notre Dame in a little bit. But I'm not sure uh, Louisville's going to win that one, Dan.
1: No, I I don't think they have a shot, to be honest. I mean, well, yeah, we'll get to Notre Dame in a second. They're not, like, Clemson level. But um, for Louisville, they they just have been super disappointing. I, I trace it to kind of two things the first thing is Cunningham is disappointed heavily. Like everything around him is not been bad at all, but he hasn't been the leader we expected. And um, Friday night, his stat line wasn't bad, but he definitely missed a ton of throws and he did the same against Pitt. So um, just not the best start of the season for him. And their defense, the Louisville defense has been worse than advertised. I thought they – would You know, they're not going to be a good defense, but they're going to consistently win games like, you know, 42-28 or something against teams that they should be beating because their defense will make a couple stops and their offense will just be super explosive. And really neither has lived up to those expectations. Um, But let's talk about Georgia Tech a little bit. Their running back combination is fantastic. I mean, Jameer Gibbs looks like he's in the running for freshman of the year. I saw some narrative out there. I mean, this is kind of weird because he was an all-purpose running back, but there was – I read the scouting report from Jameer Gibbs. Doesn't do enough in the receiving game. I feel like he's been one of the most productive Yellow Jackets receivers. I mean, look, they're not just dumping it off to him. Like I said, they're throwing it downfield. He's running routes downfield, and they're throwing it to him. So that's just – I mean, he's proven those critics wrong, but – it's hard, it's hard to get a grasp on Georgia Tech. Like I said, if they beat Syracuse, I would have felt much better. Um, they have two wins, two good wins, but it's over teams that have fallen off. I mean, we know they're not a bottom dweller at least, but I, I view them as a team that's still not quite there. But then again, got to be positive about them because they just got a big win, and um, I think they're really headed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, one more quick just note for Louisville. Obviously, talking about you know the preseason expectations and while they had with of the hype, I don't know if you looked at their turnover margin this season, Dan, but negative eight. So that's that's a recipe for disaster if you're Scott Satterfield and of course going to Notre Dame, a defense that likes to cause turnovers, probably not an ideal setup for next week. But going on Georgia Tech, of course, you know they host Clemson this coming weekend, so not a lot of expectation there, but. They're headed in the right direction. I think if you're a Georgia Tech fan, you know, winning two or three more games on your schedule, which I think is very doable, you know, would be considered a very good season for everything that's going on. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to hype up Georgia Tech to be the UNC going into next year. I think they might be a little bit too far away from that. But, man, think about it. their Their entire offensive production is pretty much true freshmen. I mean, and this year doesn't even count, Dan. So, if they want to come back even longer, you know, we're talking four more years of these guys. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I I love what Georgia Tech is doing. You know, my fault for kind of doubting them and thinking, oh, well, you know, the whole Florida State thing, the hype, that can go away. It's irrelevant. Florida State's not that good. You know, again, if you're turning the ball over that much, with the level of defense Louisville has,
1: Might be a losing season for the Cardinals. And I can't believe we're even talking about that, Dan. I mean, based on the fact that, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler, they're towards the bottom in my power rankings. So, I mean, they very well might have a losing season at the way things are going right now. It's just, I'm having trouble getting a grasp on them long-term. I'm obviously not giving up on Satterfield. Like it's just weird how his career has gone at Louisville. Like, um, he overperformed his low expectations last year, and now he's underperforming high expectations, but it, that's just completely strange, almost. I mean, NC state, I tweeted that out, NC state fans are like, yeah, that sounds familiar with Dave Dorian, which is completely true because I mean, that's the same case with them. They've had low expectations this year, and they're doing extremely well. but um, yeah, I think if we're talking most disappointing team in, of the year it really could be Louisville. I mean, in some ways, even more than Florida state because their expectations were higher.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree there, but I mean, I'm a bit of loss for words. Yeah. You know? I just, I can't believe Louisville is at this point right now. Again, that's I'm not trying to come out here and say, Oh, Louisville's bad. I mean, if you think about it again, Georgia tech is better than the advertised pit. Well, we'll get to them in a minute, but you know, again, not a bad loss, and then Miami, of course, still a top 15 team, so, you know, obviously, they they, they play Notre Dame next week on the road, but the week after that, Dan, they host Florida State, and if they don't win that one, then <laughs> we're going to have to have a conversation about potentially Louisville in that bottom two to three spot, which, ooh, that feels cringeworthy, cringeworthy to say, so let's hope we don't get to that point, but I say we move on. We'll move on. Let's go to let's go to another disappointing performance. Let, let, let's go with that. So, obviously, at noon on, I believe it was on the AC Network, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but NC State, Virginia, UVA entering is a nine-point favorite. We talked about it on our preview pod. We were both quite shocked about that opening line for Virginia. Obviously, they played Clemson well, but you know, again, nine points that NC State team seemed a little little much. That line dropped all the way down to six and a half around kickoffs. So people were kind of on that public bet as well for NC State. But the Wolfpack go on to win this one 38 to 21 in Charlottesville. And I don't think I've ever seen a team more hungover from a loss in my life, Dan. I mean, I'm not trying to say Virginia came out and didn't want to be there, but for that first quarter, really the whole first half. I don't think they wanted to be there. I mean, I'm just being completely honest. I think NC State came out, and again, NC State's a better team than advertised. They, they are not. This is, again, this is not one of those. Oh well, Virginia just lost the game. No, NC State won this game, but this game was went the way it did because Virginia just was not dialed in and had to play catch up, and unfortunately, in the rain mixed with a you know injury at quarterback, mixed with just not really a, a passing oriented team just didn't play very well for the Hoos. But what are your thoughts on this 38-21 win for the Pack?
1: Is it just me or does UVA always just play their worst games of the season in the rain? I mean, look, NC State, they came out and they just dominated UVA at the beginning. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a Clemson hangover or not, but it, it seems an awful lot like teams after playing Clemson always play not such a great game after that. Um as soon as Armstrong left, I just felt like the game was over. Uh Keaton Thompson, the word seems that he has a shoulder injury and that he'll need surgery, so he can't really be playing quarterback right now, but they'll still use him as wide receiver and use his um threat with his speed and agility um in some way. But it's just it's hard to judge anything after um, Armstrong got hurt and came out of the game, but UVA was just completely dominated at first. Um, NC State, on the other hand, they're looking really good. They they just got a win over Pitt, a win over UVA. They got a win over Wake Forest. I mean, I think they're definitely the surprise team of the year at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think we talked about it way back probably back in the summer, like early summer, when we first kind of started recording that, you know, it was Dave Doran hot seat year, but, you know, NC state really wasn't as bad as, you know, the season kind of ended last year. They, you know, they got a lot of injuries late in the year, you know, really were banged up and it's, I wouldn't say they quit, but, you know, the the tide went, to, went against them and they kind of, you know, just kind of went with it. They didn't try to fight back and, you know, we're seeing it right now. Obviously I think NC state has found their quarterback again, 11 of 25 for Devin Leary on Saturday, not a great day, but again, the weather was just atrocious. So we'll kind of account some of that to that. But I mean, yeah, I think NC state has kind of submitted themselves as that, you know, middle tier in the ACC. Uh, Honestly, I'm quite impressed with what I see and, you know, I I think you might, you might be looking at a pretty fun matchup on a, on October 24th when the Wolfpack head to Chapel Hill for that in-state rivalry. Cause on the seventh, you know, next week they, they hosted Duke and not sure to do any spoilers there, but I, I kind of like NC state in that one just based off what we've seen so far, but, but any other thoughts on Virginia or just this game in general, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think, um, as far as the Virginia Twitter sphere goes, I think they're kind of overreacting a little bit. Um, I mean, Armstrong looked awful, but they're going to need him to win football games. Um, Like, look, there's a chance that he's just not there and and he's not the quarterback that um, they expected him to be. But, I mean, Lindell Stone is not the answer. I mean, while he did what he could out of, like, I mean, QB3 or QB4 on the depth chart, I mean, they're not winning football games with him. He threw the ball 54 times. That's just crazy. But the thing is he had just over 4.4 yards per attempt. So um that is just not they're not gonna beat Wake if if um Brendan Armstrong is out. Uh I think see, I don't I don't think that UVA is gonna regress as a program to the point where they're only a six and seven win consistently like Bryce Perkins he was I mean sort of generational for that program so he he led them to levels that they have not reached in ages but I still think that they're headed in the right direction with Bronco Mendenhall um I think they'll be a consistent i say eight win range team they just they need they need more consistency at the quarterback position and I mean Brent Armstrong Maybe the guy might not be, but that's it's just um i mean i i do understand the frustration that's coming from u v a fans, but you you can't you can't give up on it quite yet um the season that is my the final thing i'll say is i'll i'll end on a positive for n c state i mean their wide receivers are phenomenal. I was talking about on some previous pods how they they probably have the most underrated receiving core in the ACC. I mean, now you just threw Porter Rooks into the mix. and He made some outstanding catches. I mean, he even had one – he had a borderline touchdown that got overturned. That was phenomenal where he reached with one hand, tipped it into his body. And he's got a ton of speed. He's getting open. So I really like Porter Rooks in the future with this NC State offense. But at the same time – I'm not I'm not so much lower on the UVA program than I was because I mean let's say Armstrong improves like let's say Armstrong stays in the game and he improves as he goes along. Like the way the way UVA's defense was playing, keeping them in the game, I think there was a chance that they could have come back, but I mean give credit to NC State. Really encouraging sign for them, and they're three and one. So I they I've got them pretty high up, much farther up on my ACC power rankings than I had a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. To just touch on Virginia for, for one more minute. I think, I think when I, what I was trying to say, you know, again, I don't think that Brunkelman Hall is the wrong guy for the job. I think he, I think he's the perfect guy for the job. I think my, I think the most frustrating part, if you keep an eye on Virginia, I keep an eye on Virginia and Virginia Tech close being from, being that I'm from that area growing up, you know, it, It's tough when you see a Virginia team just kind of revert to old habits. But I say we move on to the other noon game and the other team in the Commonwealth, another game where the state of North Carolina defeated the Commonwealth of Virginia with North Carolina defeating Virginia Tech, 56-45 to in what was a – Close, but not really that close a game. I mean, again, this game got within five in the. I think it was the fourth quarter, maybe it was late third. But you know, UNC when they needed it most, Sam Howell steps up and has a big touchdown drive. And Virginia and North Carolina combined for over a hundred points, one hundred and one to be exact. So uh, there was Big Twelve type offenses uh, going on here in the ACC. But you know, Dan, I'm, a, I'm a, I'll, I'll admit my wrongs when I'm when I'm wrong and. I was wrong about UNC. They stepped up. They uh, they finally showed the expectations they had preseason were there. Um, you know, they made Virginia Tech look pretty silly, especially in that first half. Um, you know, this may have been one of the most toxic fan bases we had with Virginia Tech this weekend with the whole Hendon Hooker thing. Um, I would love to know why he only played in the second half or really at least got the start in the second half. Uh, I understand he obviously had not been able to play recently. It's good to see that he was in the lineup, but Hen Hooker did exactly what I love about Henning Hooker. He gave you a chance to win the game. He's not going to be the guy that's going to go down there and take you down the field like Sam Howell did and win you the football game. But when he came into the game, we had no turnovers, played a clean game, two touchdowns. I mean, that was, that was, that was incredible to see, but – I think the I think the best stat or the most surprising thing was Dan, and we kind of talked about you know these teams both can run the ball. UNC beat Virginia Tech at their game. They out they just outran them. I mean, what a fantastic day from you know Malachi or Michael Carter. I almost said Malachi, Michael Carter, 214 yards on the ground. But then let's look at Javante Williams as well, 169 yards. Both had two touchdowns. I mean, 37 carries between the two of them. Almost, you know, three – actually, they were above 350 yards combined. I mean, what a phenomenal day for these guys. It's just all around just – I was impressed with UNC. We, I, I still think they might be a little overrated, Daniel, so that defense has me kind of questioning some things. But when you can score 56 points against Virginia Tech, I, I think you're in pretty in a pretty good spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of – Thoughts that come to mind in this game. I mean, first off, I, I thought this was going to be high scoring, but I don't think any of us saw this coming. This was a straight up shootout, kind of reminded me of that Wake Louisville game. I think it was either last year or the year before. And um, Virginia Tech, they have a good defense, so I would never expect them to go up 56 points. But we just saw the North Carolina offense in full force. I mean, Howell was letting the deep ball go a few times, but mostly it was just screens, slants, and pounding it to the running backs, obviously, that led to so much success. I mean, I, I don't think these teams are that far apart. Virginia Tech just happened to play the wrong quarterback, and it would have been much more of a dogfight had Hooker played the whole game. But, of course, you got to give credit to North Carolina. They're definitely legitimate. I was kind of in doubt of my preseason take earlier on, but I feel much better about it. But like you said, I do worry about their defense a little bit. Um, they're now ranked number five in the eight people, which seems a little bit high to me for a one-dimensional team, but I think that could pick up as the season went along. They had a couple good defensive performances earlier in the year, and um, I'm not complaining about them being I guess, overranked in an A people as an ACC fan either because we've had a lot of it being underranked. But overall, just a satisfying day for Tar Heel Nation. You can't – you could be negative about this defense, but they beat a good team. So if you're a Tar Heel fan, lots of good takeaways from this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering the weather, Sam Heil, 18 of 23, 257 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the Sam Howell we know and love. I'm actually looking at—I uh, don't know if I told you this, Dan, but I actually was selected by the military bowl to win a signed football from last year's game, and I got—it's got like Mac Brown and Sam Howell. I think Dez Newsom's on there as well. A couple guys from North Carolina. I don't know why it's got random player signatures on it, but you know, again, no. This, this was probably the best game in terms of my optimism about the ACC because it answered my questions about UNC and I, I really don't have that many negative takeaways from Virginia tech either. I mean, they got to start the game better, but again, that, that's one of those things where they were, they were in it at the end and in the end, I think that's what matters most, but any other thoughts on this one, Dan?
1: Yeah, it was, it almost was like a premier matchup between two ACC teams with that was not Clemson and it was well played by both teams. So, um, yeah, I'm still high on this Virginia Tech team too. With Hooker and Khalil Herbert, their offense is very good, and I'm not jumping to conclusions that their defense sucks all of a sudden. Obviously, they do need to be better. And North Carolina, I mean, again, they're probably a little bit overrated at number five in the AP poll. They are probably not a playoff contender this year, but boy, are they! I mean, there's just so much excitement for this program. And how is going to be there for? I mean, probably another year, so um, a lot of excitement. But with that being said, is it time to move on to um, what we got next, Duke and Syracuse?
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm ready to move on to it, only because, Dan, we were talking before we actually started recording, and I believe this would be considered still PG, but this game pissed me off so much, Dan. I was, you know, ready for Syracuse. I, I, I was telling you, Dan, obviously, let the listeners know a little bit of what was going on. I didn't watch a single lick of this game live. I watched the condensed game uh, actually earlier today. Uh, of course, was following it on my phone and everything like that. I was at a football game myself. But, again, I was just over, overly disappointed in, in what I saw watching that condensed game and looking at the box score, Dan. If you would have told me Duke would have won 38-24 to 24 against Syracuse, I would have been like, all right. That means, you know, they played a clean game. Chase Bryce didn't turn the ball over. Duke protected the football. Uh, Syracuse was probably a little sloppy. Tommy DeVito was running for his life and turning the ball over and making just poor decisions. And, and just Duke, you know, defense defensively just really showed up and made Tommy DeVito's life miserable. And, again, just sloppy play from Syracuse. Tell me how, Dan, how in the world a team has a negative three – no, negative four turnover margin and wins by two scores. Once again, the ACC strikes with a terrible, terrible, terrible day when it comes to just what the heck is going on. I mean, the only positive is, Dan, we finally get a game where the winning team dominated their opponent in the total yards category I don't know if you saw that stat Dan Duke had 645 yards of total offense Syracuse had 286 so credit to Duke that's the one thing I will say obviously they've been honestly doing a pretty good job of moving the ball this year they obviously moved it a little bit better than they have had but at the same time they actually you know put up points and and won a game because of it but I'm still so frustrated, just just as a football fan, not even like I don't like Duke. I have nothing against Duke. I love Coach Cutcliffe, you know. It's just more the fact that you can turn the ball over four times and have no takeaways of your own and and still win a football game by two scores. I mean, I know 2020 is a weird year, but that just seems abnormally weird, Dan.
1: Yeah, this was – 2020 was a weird year, but this was a weird week especially. Um, I mean – Congratulations to Duke for picking up their first win of the season. I mean, I I, like Duke won the football game, but they looked like they have in the last bunch of games, like you said. So I don't think we learned a lot about this game besides the fact that the bottom of the conference, they're all pretty similar. And I mean, I don't want to be like this, but this game was basically a battle of two pretty bad teams. And um, I mean, if you're a Duke fan, just be relieved. You finally have a W. Um, and look, I'm not going to say, like you said, Chase Bryce, I'm not going to say Chase Bryce is finally broken out because, you know, his stat line looks solid. He threw like one pick, but I think he, he definitely fumbled the ball at least once. So I'm not going to say Chase Bryce is finally broken out because that is not at all the case. Um, like I said, he looked completely similar to what he has in the initial games of the season. But I mean, the positive thing for Duke, this is a second straight game where they have been able to thrive with the run game, which is something, I mean, even in the years past, we have failed to see for a while. Um, but they had 169 yards on 30 carries for Deion Jackson, 163 on 23 carries for Mateo Durant. So they were just pounding the rock and doing it with success. I guess that is really how you exploit the Syracuse defense because, I mean <laughs> – they're not a great team. They're not really a good team at all, but I still think their secondary is solid. So that that's their weakness in their defense, stopping the run and getting to the passer. But Duke, they're still a bottom-dweller, but at least they're alive. So I guess that's a positive to take away, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think what, What I think just frustrates me the most, Dan, with Duke is the fact that they haven't changed this year. They've been the exact same team every single week. Just this week, they were able to win. That's the only difference. There's a chance if, you know, if Duke does what they're doing, I don't see how they win another game. To be honest with you, maybe they beat Charlotte with what they're doing. But again, if they continue to just impress, like shock me, they could win a couple games. They really could just because... Again, I mean, offensively, they're moving the ball. If they can start finishing in, in the red zone, this could be a, I won't say dangerous, because that makes them sound like they're a really good team. They could be a, a pain to deal with with the rest of their schedule.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess their schedule definitely benefits them, and that's pretty cool about the North Carolina thing four weeks in a row, but, or four games in a row. But it's almost as if this game for Duke was a win, but a moral loss. Like, a lot of teams like to talk about when they go to Clemson, they lose by, like, 17 points. It's like, oh, it's a moral victory. We played really well. We're just nowhere near the talent level of them. Well, I mean, this is almost like a win but a moral loss for them. Uh, But, I mean, for Syracuse, before we move on, for Syracuse, I don't know where their offense is going to come from besides Taj Harris. He's great. But DeVito – he seems to be out for a while. I don't think Culpeper is like a huge downgrade anyway, but I mean, their defense, like I said, they were just picked apart on the ground by Duke. Um, I know they got a nice win against Georgia Tech, but I don't really see how they're much better than Florida State at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I know we're doing a preview pod later, so I don't want to dive into this, but Syracuse's non-conference matchup's coming up this week, Dan, with undefeated Liberty. So, uh-oh, but I say we move on before I get more more frustrated than I already am with them. Uh We got probably the best game of the weekend in terms of just, you know, pure, I guess, back and forth nature of it. Pitt, Boston College did hit the over like we promised, so we got that part right. Boston College wins 31-30 in overtime in – what was a missed extra point in overtime that won that game for Boston College? Um, again, we were spot on with our preview when it came to this was a game that was all about passing, which again Pitt Boston College has never been about passing, and it's always been about you know who can run the ball the best. Well, the team that lost ran the ball better. The team that won threw the ball better. So. What a change in, I guess, dynamic with this. I don't know if you want to call it a rivalry, Dan. It feels like it's a little bit of a regional rivalry, I guess. But, yeah, Boston College wins this one in overtime. Pitt continues to kind of reel. I'm I'm a little concerned with, you know, where Pitt's season kind of goes from here. Um, credit to Kenny Pickett. I think he played a pretty good game, though obviously they lost. But – this game was sloppy, Dan. I don't know if you actually got any eyes on this game live, but I watched a decent amount of it and then of course listened to it as well on the radio during during points that, that I was not able to actually watch on my phone. And when things seemed to be going well for either team, they, they made a they dropped the key ball, um, missed an open guy, you know, failure to block, key penalties, just all around, just kind of kind of sloppy. Not not many turnovers, which was nice to kind of see, um, but again, just overall weird game, and I felt like you know when I was watching it, I felt like Pitt should have won the game. I felt like Pitt was winning the entire game, and they weren't. It, it just was weird. But credit to Boston College. What were your thoughts, Dan?
1: Yeah, I mean, wasn't this just not only typical Alex Kessman, but wasn't this just typical Pitt? a way to lose. I mean, hit the game winning – or the game tying, 58-yard uh, field goal to send it into overtime. And then in overtime, you missed the extra point to tie the game and lose your team the game. I mean, that is just – that defines how Pitt fans have really felt like the last several years with Pat Narduzzi. Um, it's <laughs> – The pit nation is not a happy place right now. Um, If you look at Boston college, I mean, I still felt like there's a lot of good signs for them. They played pretty promising. Yes, they were sloppy, but I do think they're really now with another um, nice performance. I mean, I think they're making us look a little bit foolish for picking them to win just a few conference games. I know, we were both guilty of that. Um, Like, Bill Drakovic, he looks great, like a veteran quarterback. Another great day for him. 358 yards, three touchdowns, no pick. I like his pocket presence in the first half a lot. Um, They got to him much more later on. Pitt did their pass rush, but still a very good day. They failed to establish the run once again, but the breakout of Zay Flowers has been a huge boost to this offense. 162 yards, three touchdowns. And, of course, Hunter Long doing Hunter Long things, 93 yards. Just a, another day for in the office for him. Um, but for Boston College, I mean, they might be one of the better teams in the conference at this point, I think. Right now they're an above 500 team.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely did exactly what – I hope to see from Boston College. I I was happy to see them win because it means things are headed in the right direction. Uh, something I didn't know that I guess was, you know, it, it's promising if we're talking long-term if you're a Boston College fan. Kind of what, you know, we, we've heard just you hear oftentimes with, when new coaches come in, you know, that excitement level. And, and then getting past players and boosters and donors all bought in. I was listening to the Boston College radio broadcast of this game. Uh, for about the final I I basically heard the ending of the game until I tuned in on the last and the last little bit of overtime so of course I saw the missed extra point but when I was driving I was listening to the the radio broadcast through Boston College and they were talking about how Halfley has been so proactive with some of the the bigger name guys that have come through Boston College Matt Ryan you know just the, the overall just persona when it comes to you know Doug Flutie just reaching out and connecting with with former guys, NFL guys, that came through Boston College. And, you know, they they are excited about where this program's headed, and that's huge. And they're, and they're showing it on the field right now. I mean, again, has Boston College done anything this year to make me think that they're, you know, a top 25 team or a, a big team to kind of worry about in terms of, you know, making a big, you know, scare, whether it be upsetting Clemson or beating Notre Dame? Probably not. But have they done better than what I expected? Absolutely, but I, I'm not I'm not overly concerned with Pitt. Besides, the fact they're just not winning these games. Like they're not they're just not able to get over that hump. But when it comes to Pitt's performances, I'm still kind of high on Pitt in terms of being a you know top top half of the conference for sure.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, and that what makes it that's what makes it even more frustrating for Pitt fans. Just the fact that. Their team hasn't performed that badly, but they're just, they don't have what it takes to win these games. They, I mean, look, if you look at these two opponents before the year, these are teams that they should beat by probably 10 plus points. But, I mean, it's also that Kenny Pickett, he had another very sharp day. And he looks like he's taken that next step, of course, with help from his receiving core being much better. But really, two things. They failed to get the run game going. Vincent Davis, just 46 rushing yards. And their secondary has been a huge disappointment. That was supposed to be one of the best secondaries in the country. Um, Of course, the loss of Damari Mathis was huge. That happened before the season. But Jason Pena, their number one corner, has not been what we thought he would. So, I mean, we thought they'd be an ACC championship game contender. Um... They just lost two two straight to teams we had initially towards the bottom. But what's most frustrating to Pitt fans, I'm going to completely agree with what you said. It's just the fact that they're playing well, but they're just losing these games in heartbreaking ways. They're finding a way to lose. Yeah. No,
0: absolutely. I, I think, again, this is one of those credit to Boston College. Got the job done. And you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this this is someone someone tweeted out a logo where it's obviously Pit, but then they you know put SH instead of the P, and you know, <laughs> it, it, and it almost just kind of summed it up for me. I mean, like, it just I, I'll say it. Who cares? You know, it's PG thirteen, but I think most thirteen year olds honestly know this word by now. But you know, like, it, it just felt like I'm like if you're a Pit fan, you probably feel like shit right now. You probably do. I mean you 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 nailed it. I mean you you drill a bomb to force overtime. I remember when I saw that I was like that's it. Pitt's going to win this game. Pitt is going to find a way to win this game because it felt like you know Boston College was just holding on, holding on, holding on and once it got out of grip it was over. You know, you know Pitt's going to Pitt's going to find a way like last year with Duke. They're going to find a way and they're going to win it late. And they're gonna walk off, and it's over. But now, two straight weeks, Pitt has done that. Pitt has given me a reason, like you know, Kansas NC State, they score with like what two minutes left, and it's like, all right, Pitt's gonna win this game. You no, know, they've looked pretty rough throughout this game. They really haven't had. It you know, like they're gonna win this game all game, and then here they are, they're gonna just sneak out of here with the victory. And again, another week where they just they don't, and that's gotta to be tough. Gotta to be very tough if you're a Pitt fan, but. I say we move on to what was – I would say probably the – I don't know if it's the most shocking game of the week, but definitely the most shocking performance from an individual team with Florida State falling to fifth-ranked Notre Dame, 42-26. to 26, And, I mean, Notre Dame did what I expected them to do offensively. I'm not going to – I don't think we should talk too much on that. I do want to say, and I think you tweeted it out, Dan, on your page, which I – fully agree with florida state has found their quarterback at least to start and kind of start developing with jordan travis he looked pretty good if i'm, if I'm not mistaken did he leave the game with an injury or did he just or was he just banged up i'm not sure i know you i know you got banged up a little bit but regardless i mean I, jordan travis was the offense for florida state he was the leading rusher he was the leading passer obviously tamari ontario had a fanta- fantastic day Thank you for not opting out to I, I appreciate that so much because it just makes Florida state still worth watching. They do have enough talent on the field to where I'm willing to dial in and watch that. Um, I really did. Enjoy, I really did enjoy seeing, I mean, seeing Florida state hang around in this game. Florida state gave me enough reason to believe that talent wise, they can at least compete. I, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're better than most teams, but at least they can compete and, to be honest, that's a credit, to my, in my opinion, to Mike Norvell and the senior leadership, you know, on the team with Tamarion Terry as well as, you know, uh, Marvin Wilson. They're not letting these guys quit, which I'm um, being honest, if Willie Taggart was there right now, this team would have quit, would have lost by 50 yesterday.
1: Yeah. I, I had a weird feeling about this game. Like I did not – like I said on the preview pod, I did not think there was any chance that Florida State sustained um, – Sustained this for fourth quor- four quarters and ended up winning, but I had a weird feeling that they'd keep it somewhat close, and I guess they did end up covering the spread so I got that right. But Notre Dame, they proved their superiority. They pulled away. Um, I still think they're the second best team in the ACC, and I still think they're a step behind from Clemson. So I don't think we learn much about Notre Dame here. But yeah, Florida State, I mean, yeah, they have a competent quarterback in Jordan Travis. Um, I just looked up. The, his injury update um, shout out by the way to college fantasy update just basically um, takes all these things from interviews and puts it together in one injury report um, league wide for the power of five. So that's some good work there. But what it says is that um, he was having a hand issue and he was struggling to grip the ball and his hand got looked at and then they determined that post game that his hand was fine. So he should be good to go this week for practice, which makes sense. I mean, at that point they were down by um, a few scores and there was very little chance they were going to win. So you might as well play it safe. But, um, yeah, that's a good sign to see them have a quarterback. I mean, he's definitely not in the top half of the league, but he's somebody that is going to move the ball down the field and, I mean, allow Tamori on Terry, really, to beat Tamori on Terry he was basically silent because they, there was just no quarterback to get it to him in the first few games. Um, I mean, if you want to call this a moral victory, I guess you can considering the Florida state expectations coming into this game. I don't think Noel stands want to hear that, but um, I mean, I completely agree with your take that they will win a couple games in the ACC this year. And I still have them last, but it's not a completely distant last. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, are you tired, Dan, of us when we record and we're talking Notre Dame? You know, obviously we 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 banter and joke that you know Notre Dame's not a part of the ACC, so let's not talk about them too much. And we haven't talked about them, but really the reason why we haven't talked about them that much is all three of their games so far this year. Have we learned really anything about them? Nope. No, no, we have not, and it's just. You know, maybe we'll learn something against Louisville this week. I think the other thing we can learn from that game is if they struggle with Louisville. To be honest, I mean, Notre Dame is just just flying, laying you know, flying smoothly. They're just they're just. On, I don't want to say they're on cruise control because it's it like they're like they're dominating everybody and it's super easy for them. But they're just kind of there. Like I, I I have like, how is Notre Dame number four in the country, Dan? Like. They're number four in the new AP poll. And that includes teams that obviously are not playing yet, but are going to be playing. So, AKA every team pretty much minus like five. And most of them are not say irrelevant, but you know, old dominion and rice as maybe playing, but they haven't played yet. But the rest of the conference has played, you know, there are teams that obviously have opted out of playing football this year, New Mexico state, you know, random teams like that. So, I mean, and, and the worst part is, Dan, you look at Notre Dame's schedule. I don't know if you've looked at it recently or if you haven't memorized. Louisville this week, at Pitt the following week, at Georgia Tech the following week, and then Clemson. None of these games make me think I'm going to learn anything about Notre Dame going into that Clemson game. Nothing does. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's incredible. 2020, Dan, it's Notre Dame is, might be number two in the country when they play Clemson. We might have a one-versus-two matchup at this rate.
1: <laughs> it's not going to feel like a one-versus-two matchup, though. I mean, obviously the media is going to hype it up, but I, I I still think Clemson is significantly better. And I guess – I mean, if you don't have anything more to say, that's a good um, segue over to that. But
0: Yeah, let's move on to Clemson throttling Miami.
1: All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, Clemson just completely dominated this game. I think what we – I mean, they've proven that they're obviously not only the best team in the country, but this might be one of the better teams that Clemson has had in the Dabo era. I mean, at the same time, it's probably the worst receiving core they've had in a while. Obviously, it's still one of the better receiving cores in the conference. But I, I think this Clemson team is just – I mean – They have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne on offense. And Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback, and he doesn't even need to be throwing downfield consistently for them to be winning games because all he has to do really is hand the bell off off to Travis Etienne, um, you know, do some little simple screen short passes, and then once in a while let it rip downfield. And they're completely dominating on offense. And then their defense – their corners are phenomenal. I mean, Booth, Jones, Kendrick, that is I did not expect it to be this good, but I they're just so athletic. I I have not seen anything like that. Um they I mean, like I said, they're they're saving a lot of stuff on offense. They they might not have to open their playbook this entire conference season. I mean, maybe against Notre Dame, but We're going to be seeing a lot of stuff we haven't seen in the playoffs, and that's just scary. Um, I think Clemson, I'm giving them more than a 50% chance of winning the national championship.
0: Yeah, I was – I don't know if you listened to the Cover 2 podcast at all, Dan. I've obviously mentioned it on the show numerous times. I was listening to their instant reaction earlier today, and um, something that stood out to me was Chip Patterson on the show was kind of like, you know, Clemson doesn't look like that great. But then the most amazing part, and I love the reaction, um, Barton Simmons' reaction, and, and this is exactly how I feel, is he's like, we're talking about how Clemson didn't look great and didn't execute at a like a perfect level and didn't play up to their potential and still beat a top-10 team, 42-17. to 17. I mean, it really feels like the only team that can beat Clemson is Clemson. <laughs> like, the only team that can beat Clemson is Clemson. I mean, just – I honestly don't know if I learned a lot from this game, Dan, besides that Clemson is really, really good like we thought, and Miami's just not there yet. And the gap between one and two in this conference is probably bigger than we want to say.
1: Yeah. uh, The narrative that Clemson carries the conference is pretty true, but I think this is different in a way that Clemson is just great. It's just better than everybody else. But they're not only better than everyone else in the ACC. I just think they're better than everyone else in the country. So, um, yeah. But sir- Let's get into this real quick, Dan.
0: I know my buddy Hayden wanted a comment on it, but it was a big topic of conversation around all of Miami Twitter. And, you know, it became – it was what made Clemson in Miami, and you mentioned Clemson Twitter is never really that toxic. Made Clemson toxic as you know what. Clemson deciding to run up tempo with less than a minute left, with again the backups in, but running up tempo up 42 to 17 trying to score. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Before I have my thoughts, I think my hot my, my take might be a little bit of a hot take, but maybe it's not
1: considering what your opinion is. Hmm, all right, I'm really interested to hear your take. Um, I don't feel strongly about that. This, I definitely think that they should not have done that. Um but I I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, look, it's, it's not classy, but I mean, that's, that's what you want to see your backup quarterback in this situation. You want to get him going. That's your future. All right. Like that's fine by me. That's what teams really do against FCS teams when they're, up by like 42 points. They're just going to say, all right, well, what? instead I'm just hanging the ball off 50 times for the rest of the game. Let's see how our backups do in realistic situations. But at the same time, I mean, that's not really, um, the right way to go out. I, I just think people overproportionalized it a little bit. Yeah. So I,
0: I'm all on board with Clemson doing it. And If this wasn't 2020, Dan, I would be a little bit more on the what the heck are you doing? But kind of what I talked about when we made the bet about Will Clemson, you know, what's the the over unders going to be, or excuse me, the spreads of 35 plus, and, you know, Will Clemson keep their starters in longer, all that fun stuff. You know, will they have to, will they want to prove more, or will they just be like, yeah, we're the best team in the country, we know it, look at our roster? But my thing is, With 2020, these teams cannot do a bunch of live reps, first team versus second team, second team versus third team, because of all the concern with COVID. I mean, if the first team has someone that gets it, and they've been doing live reps with the second team, you run the risk of the second team now being out, too. So I don't know. I'm not going to say. I have heard this. Other coaches have done this before. I haven't heard about it for this game. The coaches have said, you know, we've seen a lot with the FBS and FCS games. We saw it with Notre Dame and South Florida. Jeff Scott wanted Notre Dame to continue to play and not just, you know, take their foot off the gas because they needed the live reps. And you know, I don't, I don't want to say that this was predetermined because I don't think it was, or wouldn't have been such a big news story or big hype on Twitter. At least I wouldn't call it a news story, but I mean, it's 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 dumb. It's so dumb, you know. <laughs> And it proves the point, Dan, this one's a little bit different because, of course, it was Clemson and not, you know, FIU or Louisiana Tech. But the Manny Diaz off the bye has continued to, uh, you know, really be successful for the Kings. They are now 0-4, 0-5 off the bye since he's been a head coach. So, And they still play NC State off
1: the bye, so, uh-oh. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, Dr. King was not effective, and his deep ball is not good. I, I just, I don't want to call off the hype for him, and I don't want to call off the hype for Miami. Um, you know, they they had a shot to beat Clemson and prove that they were really back. But I just, I think that the expected thing happened, and like you said, we learned more about um, Clemson than we learned about Miami. But yeah, I think we can move on. I think we're getting along with this one so um we'll progress but yeah um do you want me to give you want me to go one at a time give me all give you all three what do you want me to do here let's do
0: all three because like you said we are running a little bit longer than normal which i think that's on me i've been ranting a lot this pot
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> all good so anyway um <laughs> offensive player of the week michael carter um 229 total yards, two to- two rushing touchdowns. Um he was phenomenal. Defensive player of the week. I went you went with um two Clemson corners last week and I went with a third different than the two last week. I went with Sheridan Jones. Um probably pronounced his first name wrong, but locked down coverage, made some insanely athletic plays. Had himself a pick too. I'm going to double down and go with Clemson as my team of the week, just dominating Miami in all aspects, proving that they mean business. They're the team to be not only, I mean, we knew they were the team to beat in the ACC, but they're really the team to beat in the country this year. So that's what I've got. Um, I mean, what are you thinking for these awards? Offensive player of the week. We'll stick into
0: the North Carolina backfield. What a day. I mean, both guys are deserving. So I kind of figured whichever one I actually was going to, of course, you know, lean with you there and go with Carter. But since you went with Carter, I'm going to go with Javante Williams. I mean, 20 carries for 169 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, just an absolute workhorse, 8.4 yards per carry. Obviously, Michael Carter probably had the better day in terms of, you know, numbers and yards per carry and everything like that. But I mean, to have a secondary back like that go off i mean this is this was very similar to what we used to see you know when when Boston College would have a successful day when it comes to David Bailey and um wow, I'm gonna drawing a blank on his name wow a j Dillon. jeez, that was really bad, you know when both of those two went off for Boston College, so it was good to you know see that from North Carolina defensively I'm gonna go with a Lee Mcneil uh big guy touchdown I mean I think. Not only was it awesome to see that, of course, but I think kind of what we talked about was the Clemson-Virginia game uh, when I talked about you know, the other defensive backs really making a big play when it mattered most that pick six – or not pick six, the one-handed interception um, from Clemson last week in the red zone that kind of killed Virginia's momentum of potentially scoring or to start the half there. This kind of killed Virginia's momentum as well and what could have been a potential comeback against NC State. Um, that pick just doesn't happen. I'm not saying that NC State doesn't win this game. But NC State is in a tougher spot because the offense really, again, wasn't dominating Virginia. It was Virginia being defense being put in bad spots against NC State. And obviously a pick six puts the defense in a bad spot because they don't get a chance to make a play. You've now given them more points, and you know, it wasn't defense's fault. So credit there to Lee McNeil from NC State. He's my defensive player of the week. Uh, team of the week. It's kind of a tough one, but I have to go with Duke. As much as it pissed, actually. Um, yeah, I'll still go with Duke. I was going to lean UNC because they did kind of surprise me a little bit, but defensively, you know, and eh, plus expectations for UNC. As much as it pisses me off to go with Duke, they won a game, and a game they should not have won, again, looking at the box score. So, finding a way to win, Duke needed this win, so I'm going to go with Duke. Georgia Tech would have been a good option. There's a, a decent amount of options. You know, Clemson, of course, is a solid option, but I mean, we kind of all thought Clemson was going to win by two scores or more anyways, so – I think in the end I was probably the highest on, you know, or against the most either Duke or Virginia Tech or Duke or UNC going against Virginia Tech, but I think I'll have to lean with uh, Duke being my team of the week. But let's just dive right into our power rankings. We'll, uh, we'll just start, you know, Clemson obviously going to be one. I'm assuming Notre Dame two for you, Dan. Yeah. Um Then from there, do you want to give me your three through five?
1: Yeah, UNC number three. Um, they're going to move up over number four Miami just because of a great win. Their offense is finally in full force. But I didn't move Miami down too far because they – I mean, they played Clemson. So, I'm not just going to keep moving them up, 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 and then move them down five spots because they lost to Clemson. So um, – and then five is Virginia Tech. And another, same thing. I'm not moving them down too far. Um they they happen to play the wrong quarterback, like I said. And I think with Hendon Hooker, they're definitely a top five team in the ACC. So. Um, well, our three through five are exactly the same. So
0: all right. I not really touch on that much more since we're pretty much on the same page. Uh, to make it more fun, I guess I'll do my six through nine. Nice, I guess. Um, just because, you know, might as well continue on. And you revealed yours in order. I've got six. NC State moving up drastically for me. They were – actually number nine last week and the week before that they were number 11 so solid jump for the Wolfpack seven is Boston College and eight is Pitt I'm going based off of pure talent I guess you could say or you know my personal belief and hype around a team I kind of wanted to keep Pitt in that top six but you know when the two teams I have ranked above you currently beat you it's kind of hard to make that excuse of ranking uh, Pitt above two teams that had beat them. So I will go with Pitt at eight. And then I have Louisville at nine, which is actually only a one-point drop for me. I think mainly because the bottom just got so messy that I didn't really want to move them too far for that loss to Georgia Tech. But I am keeping
1: Louisville in my top nine. All right. So six, seven, and eight are exactly the same. NC State number six, um, Boston College number seven, and Pitt number eight. I did a little conditional thing for nine because we don't know what the news is for Brendan Armstrong and like I said, Brendan Armstrong hasn't been great, but Lindell Stone makes UVA a team that's not gonna be many more teams than Abilene Christian this year. So if Brendan Armstrong is back, I'll keep UVA at nine. Um if not I'm dropping them down to third or twelve. Um but uh do you want do you wanna go uh ten through fifteen? Go for. It. I'll let you go. What's your? Who's your
0: ten through fifteen? And so, with that, you said. So who's at nine? If UVA is not with or UVA is without Bernard Who's your nine?
1: All right. So then everybody would just move up. Wake would move from ten to nine. Um, I mean, they had, they had a buy this week, but I, I just kept them put. And I guess we'll learn really who is the better team next week when Virginia and Wake play each other. Georgia Tech, 11, Louisville, 12. Georgia Tech just beat Louisville, so put Georgia Tech above them. Um, Louisville, I mean, they they, they are – I mean, That's I still – Yeah, but their offense is still – I still have a little bit of hope for them, so I'm going to keep them, I guess, a little bit above that bottom kind of range – or they're in the bottom range, but above the bottom three, and then with the Lindell Stone Virginia led team would be twelve, if and Louisville move up to eleven if that's the case. So I'm sorry that gets confusing, but I have it um, outlined better on my Twitter page if you follow that. Um, and thirteen is Duke, fourteen is Syracuse. Duke beat Syracuse, so that's really the only reason I have Duke above Syracuse. And fifteen Florida State. Yes, they showed positive signs, but I mean, they've had some bad losses, and I'm not going to move you up after another loss by, like, what, more than two scores. So that's what I have for 10 through 15. I guess this could go in a bunch of different directions, so I'm curious to see if yours is any similar to mine.
0: I mean, kind of. Obviously, I had Louisville at nine, so much higher than you had them. I think just with Louisville, I'm going based off what I've seen with a mixture of, again, they've been in pretty much every game. The Georgia Tech game, like I said, I mean, box score-wise, if you gave me a blank score and had to predict the winner, Louisville would have won. So, you know, it's something to kind of look at there, or at least would have been closer than people with what the score ended up being. But all right, Louisville probably could fall further. I just I just didn't see – enough from the bottom to convince me to move because you know the argument here I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for where I've got Georgia Tech but I'll go before I get there let's go Wake Forest is at my 10. Virginia's at 11 and that's factoring in Brennan Armstrong not being available for the Wake game and for the foreseeable future so kind of like what you said I, I didn't do like a one or the other kind of thing because I didn't think that was fair but uh 12 I have Georgia Tech which Everyone's going to probably give me a lot of flack for because Louisville I have at 9, Georgia Tech is 12, and Georgia Tech just won by multiple scores. But the reason why I have Georgia Tech at 12 is for why am I th- how my 13 through 15 played out. I've got Duke at 13, Florida State at 14, and Syracuse at 15. So Georgia Tech's next best win is Florida State at 14, and then their loss, 15, bottom tier, Syracuse. I moved Florida State up 1. Mainly because I didn't want Florida State at the bottom tier last week anyways. It really pained me to have them in the bottom spot the last two weeks. And the fact that they were, you know, somewhat competent and competitive for a half with Notre Dame was more than I expected. Um, Talent-wise, they're much better than Syracuse. And Syracuse just pissed me off so much this week that they had a plus-four turnover margin and still lost by two scores. Uh, so I think I just that's maybe more of an emotional too putting them in 15. But again, Florida State is a much more talented team. So, really, that bottom is just so middled. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the – week, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks I have a, a, a Syracuse in the, in, the, in the top ten again or Florida State in the top ten because it's just – I don't want to say the AC is bad, Dan. It's not as bad as last year, that's for sure. But it might not be as good as we were hoping. So, I hope I'm wrong. But I'm getting a little concerned, with, especially with that bottom half. That bottom half might be pretty rough,
1: yeah, I mean we're i I feel like we have a different outlook every week, and I just don't want to keep overreacting, 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 but I mean, Clemson's still carrying the load, there's some the like second tier looks better than it did, but the bottom does look pretty brutal, but um any other closing words
0: no I, I th- Think that's it. Uh, it's gonna be a fun week, Dan. I don't know. Obviously, I've kind of been throwing out some matchups and stuff on here, but week seven is gonna be fun in the ACC. We'll, we'll probably learn a little bit more about these teams. Uh, can't wait to talk uh, preview here. Hopefully, on you know Wednesday of this coming week. But, Dan, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, go ACC.